Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Jonna, and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Fellow Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, I am delighted to welcome this individual on the show today. He made 194 appearances for the club, scoring 13 goals. Plus, he was part of the Chelsea team that won the second division championship in 1989. Here is none other than David Lee. David, welcome to the Blue Day podcast and how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure is absolutely mine, David. I want to start the interview, if I can, by just asking back, cast your mind back to when you was a youngster. Did you have any influences when it came to deciding to become a professional footballer? Well, I would say uh, at the age of 14, I had a choice to make of um, who to sign for. Back then, it was different. There was no academies. It was like, you know, you played for your school, your district, your county, your local Saturday and Sunday teams. And I had a choice to sign for quite a few clubs at the time. And uh, I had a chat with my dad. He was obviously the biggest influence uh, at the time. And uh, it just is up to you. You know, it's your choice. And, and, and the choice I made was to sign for Chelsea at 14. And who were your idols growing up as a kid? Player-wise, uh, Glenn Hoddle was uh, the one that I uh, aspired to be when I was youngster. Kind of... Not grew up a Tottenham fan, but I was a Bristol Rovers fan because it's where I grew up, you know, and used to be a season ticket holder. But uh, I had the Tottenham shirt, the old blue, remember that, I think in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, you know, I was a Tottenham fan until I realised when I went to Chelsea, it wasn't the thing to uh, to do. <laughs> not something you'd admit at all. <laughs> not at the time I didn't, no, definitely not. After it's a little bit easier to say, but not, not during, you know, while I was there, I couldn't actually say anything. So, so Bristol Rovers was my... Uh, childhood team growing up. Yeah, my dad used to live sort of two minutes in the ground, so uh, we used to go there when we were kids until I started playing. Actually, now you said just a minute ago that you started your career at Chelsea. Just describe yep. to the listeners what the youth setup or what the sort of like reserve football was like, because it's a lot different to what it is now. So it was a progression from fourteen to sixteen. I went up uh, every school holiday and every weekend to play in the under-15s, under-16s. Then when I was 16, played in the in the youth team 
on a, on a Saturday or or um, a midweek game, which I had a lot of grief for my school. You know, I needed to have time off school, and they weren't that keen on it. To be fair, uh, I remember my dad had to come in and see the headmaster because you know Gwyn Williams, who was the youth manager, wanted me to travel on a, on a Tuesday to Harlington to play in a in a youth game. And you know, this is this is my livelihood, my career at state. You know, I hadn't been told at the time if I was getting an apprenticeship, and. Uh, you know, the, the headmaster wasn't, I mean, he obviously wasn't the football orientated. Some of the teachers were great towards it, but, but the headmaster in the end, like I said, my dad had to come up and sort of, you know, say to him, well, he's going regardless of what you say sort of thing. So I travelled up on sort of some Tuesdays and then holidays and weekends. And then I got a letter in March, April of the year I was leaving school to say that I'd be offered an apprenticeship at Chelsea. You know, it was a YTS back in the day, you know, two years to your YTS, which meant cleaning the boots and the toilets, the stands, the kit and all that. But it was great. You know, we had a we had a real good group of lads who, you know, still keep in contact to to this day. Uh, people like uh, Gareth Hall, Graham Stewart, Jason Cundy, Damian Matthew. And then there was a lad called Stephen Beatty, who I lived with in Diggs for a couple of years, who lives in Ireland, and we still are in contact. So from that point of view, it was great. And then I sort of progressed from the youth team and then in my second year as, as an apprentice, I, I started to play regular in the reserves. But back in the in them days, the reserves league was a lot different. It was played on a Saturday or a Tuesday. And if, if first teamers didn't play on a Saturday, they'd play on a Tuesday. And the ones who were left out of the squad on a Saturday would play on a Saturday and the games would be at like the grounds. I mean, one of my first games I remember playing in the reserves was, was at home against Arsenal and they had... Quinn, Charlie Nicholas, Merson and Kevin Campbell up front, you know, so that was the sort of standard you're playing against when you're 17, 18, which was great. It, you know, it, it, all, it all helped and, you know, it boded well for the future, in my opinion. Uh, nowadays, the under-23s is not great. You know, you don't see that many first-teamers playing in it. So it was a lot, it was a lot different back then to, to what it is now. Now, you're in a selected group of players for the club to have scored on your debut. It was against Leicester City at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. When did you know you was going to be in the team? And what are your memories of that game and the entire day itself? So previously to that, we'd had a bad start to the season. And I I was a little bit, I had to hump a little bit because pre-season I'd scored a lot of goals in, and now when I wasn't included, you know, I was only young. I thought, well, I've got plenty of time. But, you know, when you're a player, you just want to play every game. And I've been on the bench a few games previous to Leicester and not got on. And then... As always, just after half time, you know, whatever the score, you always go and have a little warm up. So I was warming up, and then I think I'm not sure if it was nil nil when I ran or we were one nil down, but he, he told me I was going on, played centre midfield, and, and just said, you know, go on in and nick us a goal. And that, that was it. That's what Bobby said to me. You know, I remember it to this day. Uh, he just said, go on in, you know, nick us a goal. And uh, I went on, and I remember the ball was down. I can remember it like like yesterday. The ball went down the right hand side. Kevin McAllister crossed it. Kerry's far post with a header keeper saved it and I've just sort of reacted off the keeper saving it and just managed to get there in front of the defender and uh, yeah it was a wonderful feeling it was something that you know I'd been striving to do all my childhood life to, to get into a first team and uh, it was a brilliant day and then I got brought down to the penalty and and uh, I sort of cheekily asked Graham Roberts could I take it and he just glared at me and said <laughs> you know nothing and that was it he scored in yeah, and I remember going back to Bristol actually after the game with, with my parents and a couple of mates, and uh, went out in, um, in a few pubs where I where I used to to grow up. And uh, a few people said to me, "Oh, I see you scored today," and that. So it, it was quite nice, you know. 
And you've mentioned Bobby Campbell, who was the coach at the time. What was yeah. he like as a coach? Yeah, Bob was good for us. You know, he, he, he had faith in the youngsters. I think he he um, he realised that, you know, at the time we had a good crop of youngsters and, and he, you know, fair play to him. You know, I, I'll always be thankful to, to Bobby because he was the one who gave me my debut. Uh, so he was good with it, you know. He, he was... He could have a little pop at you now and again and come across a little bit narky. But, you know, deep down, he, he was a football man. And, and, you know, I can't say too much because he gave me my chance. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll be forever grateful to him. But he, he was a decent coach. He'd been around, you know, started at Liverpool, been, been abroad, I think, Saudi Arabia, different places, QPR. So he knew his stuff. And uh, he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't coach all the time. Put in Porterfield, did a lot of the coaching. Uh, but you know he, he was good, Bob. You know, never never had a problem with him. And uh, obviously, the sad news a few years ago when he passed away. Now, as a young player in the team that had quite a lot of experience, as you say, Kerry Dixon, Tony Dorigo, just to name a few. Which teammates yeah. did you get on really well with? Um, well, I roomed with Kerry. Kerry was my roomie for a few years, and like I have to say, he looked after me unbelievable. Um, Really, really nice fella. You know, I still see him now. Um, still speak to him. He, he was just a top fella, you know. And at the time, he was he was the superstar at Chelsea, in my opinion. You know, he was. A, I don't think he gets the credit of how good he was. He was a top player, in my opinion. Unfortunately, with England, he was unlucky. You had Lineker and Beardsley at the time, and Hately. But he was a top player, top bloke. And the other one that I got on with really well was Kevin Hitchcock. Me and Itchy just got on great from, from day one when he came in, although I was still an apprentice when he first came in. He sort of took me under his wing a little bit and looked after me at times. And if there was any scrapes, he would be uh, looking after me, I would you know, I would say. But most of the lads were, were brilliant. There wasn't anyone I didn't like. You know, you had some great older pros like Jukebox, Tony Dorigo, um, Colin Pates had just left. Johnny Bumstead's another one who who I still see, you know, at match days and, and have a pint with. Um there were some great lads there, some really, really good guys. You know, and then people like Gareth and Graham Stewart, uh, uh, two guys. I'm actually going away golfing with them on Thursday to Spain. So, you know, we still keep we still keep in touch and uh, see each other whenever we can. And that season, Chelsea did achieve promotion back to the first division. How crucial was it for the club at that time to be back in the top flight? Yeah, it was. It was massively important. I mean. I sort of said to Bobby a few years back, I said, I think I saved your life, uh, your career that day because we'd lost so many games. I think he might have got sacked if he'd lost to Leicester. And he, he sort of looked at me and I, and I said, look, I'm only joking. But no, it was a turning point for me, uh, that, that game. And, and we went on an unbelievable run from that game onwards. Mm. Um, I don't know how many games we went unbeaten, but some of the teams that we played that year, we just blew them apart. I mean, I remember Jukebox scored five in one game. We went to Man City and went three up. It was just, it was fantastic. You know, it was, we knew, you know, the, the only downside to, to that is I think we, we, we thought we were going to win it at Leicester away. Unfortunately, it was the day of Hillsborough and we got beat. We could have won it that day. I think we, we sort of set our sort of hearts on winning it that day. We didn't, we got, I think we got beat 2-1 in the end. But um, obviously we were always going to win it, you know, from Christmas onwards. We were just like a juggernaut rolling along. And uh, it, was, it was a brilliant experience. You know, we had some top pros like Graham Roberts was another one who, it was magnificent for me, you know, growing up watching him in that Tottenham team. Um, he was very, very good to me. He was, uh, 
always trying to, you know, tell me where to be on the pitch and, and what to do and, and just give me little tips and encouragement and that. He was great. And Peter Nichols was the same. You know, Peter had been around the block a lot and, and, and he was very similar to Graham. I thought it was, you know, uh, Bobby bringing them to him was, was an astute piece of business. Then the next season, the 89-90 season, you did start the season quite well. You, you were playing regularly. You had a good run of games. Was you happy with your development as a footballer at this stage or did you feel you could have contributed just a little bit more? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the first season, I, I think the problem I had was I was kind of moved around a lot, played centre midfield, centre back, you know, even some games, a couple of games I thought came on up front, left back, whatever. So I kind of felt that I was always, I didn't really nail myself to one position, which when you look back, you think, oh, maybe I should have, but you know, when you're young, you just want to play. And if a manager says you play in midfield, you're playing at the back, just get on with it. I, um, I thought it was an edge. Sorry. No, I was just going to just gonna no. ask, what, what did you feel your best position was? Was it centre-mid or centre-back? Uh, I think when I was younger, it was probably better centre-mid. Uh, and then as I got older, probably, you know, you sort of understand the game a bit more. Uh, and, and probably in a, in a middle of a three would be my ideal position. But I quite enjoyed, you know, playing. I played, I enjoyed playing either, to be fair. Um, you, you sort of look at it now in today's game when you've got two centre-backs and you know, we always had two centre-forwards to mark. Nowadays, they've got one between two, so it'd be completely different. But, you know, you can't compare apples to pears, can you? You know, it's one of them things. It's got, you know, in my era, we played how it was and they play playing how they are now. But going back to your question, um, I would say I enjoyed both. I enjoyed probably midfield more because you had probably more chance of scoring. But um, no, I enjoyed both. And, and and my development that year, we, we started off really well and then we had a really tough month. I think we got spanked by Liverpool and Wimbledon. And it sort of, you know, it hit home a little bit that, you know, we needed to do more. Uh, and and I, I think, where did we finish that season? Did we finish about eight? No, in 1990, the club finished fifth. Fifth, that's right. I knew it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a decent season. I mean, I first see, you know, my, I remember my first game in the, in the top flight. We played Wimbledon away first game of the season and, you know, they had Fash and uh, John Gale and I think Carlton Fairweather and Alan Court. They had like four bruisers up front and I think we defended quite well. And I think Kevin Wilson nicked it in the last minute. Mm. Yeah, so it was great. I'm, I've got a picture actually at home of I'm on the terrace in the new way and, uh, you know, we had the red and white kit on, didn't we? So it's, it's quite a good picture actually. <laughs> and also that season, we were in the full members' cup final. Yeah. Where we did win 1-0. Just to yeah. clarify on the situation, what was the reasons that you missed out? Was it because of the team selection or was there a, a particular injury that you picked up beforehand? No, no, I was just named on the bench. He, he just named me on the bench. Uh, he went with Peter Nicholas, John Bumstead midfield and I think Kerry, uh, Kenny and, and Ireland at the back. So his choice. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get on, but delighted that we won, obviously. You know, it was a great day for the club. And then rolling on to next season... <laughs> You ended up scoring the first goal of that season. It was at home to Derby. Yeah. Because of how well Chelsea were doing in the league the previous season and then winning at Wembley, what was the expectations going into that season amongst the squad? I think every every season, every expectation is to do better than what you did the year before. So, you know, like say you, we finished fifth. So, you know, we, as, as a, you know, as a collective, we'd always want to improve on what we're doing. Um, 
manager would always be the same, you know, we did this last year, but, you know, can we improve? Where can we improve? What can we do to make us better? I think that's that's the sort of the general consensus of most clubs, I would say. Whatever you've done the year before, can can you better it? Depends on your circumstances. Now, we, you know, some clubs might lose their top player. Some might sign top players. So it just depends. But generally, it's to, it's to be better than what you were the year before. And that summer... Chelsea signed mm-hmm. two significant players in Andy Townsend yeah. and Dennis Wise. Yeah. How significant were these signings to the club? Yeah, brilliant signings. Brilliant signings, in my opinion. Obviously, Dennis went on to, to stay a lot longer than Andy did. But um, top class signings. Brilliant lads. You know, really. I mean, I worked with Dennis at Swindon, uh, you know, after, after my time at Chelsea. Um, he was, you know... It, you know what he did at Chelsea speaks for himself. You know, the amount of games he played, he was he was captain. Uh, the, the the trophies that he, he won. Uh, you know, but as a player and a person, I can't speak highly enough of Dennis. Um, Andy was a top player in my opinion. Disappointed when he left, especially when he went to Villa rather than you know if he'd have gone to Man United or Liverpool, I would have understood it a bit more. But the fact that he went to Villa, but you know, I'm not I'm not saying Villa's not a big club, and you know, Andy had success and. He might argue that, you know, he enjoyed his time more at Villa than he did at Chelsea. But again, a great guy. Uh, had the pleasure of meeting him up, meeting up again with him not that long ago uh, in a golf day. So really funny guy. Uh, I think he gets a lot of stick on social media from Chelsea fans regarding his commentary. But, you know, of course, listen, if someone leaves your club in a way they leave, I can understand the frustration of the fans. But I just feel that personally, as a bloke, top bloke, and a very, very good player, in my opinion. The one game that season that I've, when I was doing the research, it sort of flashed at me was the 7 0 yeah. hammering against Nottingham Forest at yeah. the City Ground. Now, yeah. there's r- rumours amongst Chelsea supporters, but also sort of rumours amongst other individuals from this game of yeah. dis- disharmony and discontent amongst the team that day. What were your thoughts on that game in particular? And are these particular rumours true of players not giving 100% for one particular reason? No, I mean, I, I understand what the rumours are. And, you know, you're probably talking about people like Tony Dorigo, who was playing his last game and was leaving. And people say, he, you know, he didn't try. That's nonsense. No professional footballer ever goes out there and doesn't try. Uh, I felt for Frank Sinclair. I think it was one of his first games. And he was up against Crosby and... I think he scored a hat trick, but we were just ridiculously poor on the day. As a, as an individual, as a collective, we were just not in the races, and, and we got spanked. And you know, just as a, as a professional, you don't want to get beat any game, let alone get beat seven. So, from my point of view, it was poor. From from all our points of view, but there's no truth in anything that people didn't try or anything like that, or any hidden agendas. That's for sure. I remember in the dressing room after he went nuts, the manager, and rightly so. Uh, rightly so, you know, you can't. No matter what, you know, it's a matter if it's a meanness end of season game, you've, you know, you've got the badge on the shirt and you've got fans paying good money to come and see you and you've got to give 100% every single game. Okay, if you get beat by the better team, then fine. But, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone can accuse, especially, well, I can only speak for myself, but no one could ever accuse me of not trying when I had the, the shirt on. Now, it was around about 1992 that you went out on loan yeah. from Chelsea. Did you see this as, as an opportunity to 
further develop yourself or was it an opportunity to maybe get a move elsewhere because it was around this time that you wasn't featured much in the first team yeah I just need I just wanted to go and play games you know I, I sort of think um didn't see eye to eye with the manager at the time uh he wasn't going to pick me he just wanted he just said he wants a center half who just you know literally heads it and kicks it I understand that and I said to him fine I said, you know, if, if you don't want me playing your first team, I've got no problem, but let me go and play on loan and let me get some games in. So that's what I did. I went out and played some games. And uh, yeah, I think it benefit. I think long-term it benefits you, you know. You sort of realise you've left Chelsea, massive, massive football club, to go and play, you know, lower down the chain. But it makes you sort of stronger as a person. And I think you realise that you want to be where you've just, where you've just come from. So it was always my, my ambition to go back. I didn't really want to move from then. I was just going to say, you returned to Chelsea yeah. around the 92-93 season, which is quite incredible when you look back on it. 30 years ago, the Premier League began. What was your thoughts at the time of the football pyramid changing and the top league being rebranded? Because there was a lot of controversy and a lot of sort of news on it at, at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, back then there was no social media and things like that. So, it's a bit different in, in today's market, but as a player, you don't really, you know, we basically the, the wording has changed in the newspaper from the, the League One or, you know, the old Division One to, to Premier League and all, all the glitz and the glamour that goes with it. But as a player, you don't really think about it. Well, I certainly didn't. I just thought, well, we're in the top flight, you know, all the brands and that that are going behind the scene and nothing to do with us. It's just a case of, we need to win every single football match. You know, it was not, it, it, I mean, I, I don't want to be blase or anything about it, but it, it didn't really make any difference to me personally. Now, I want to fast forward a year to the summer of yep. 93. One person yep. that you've already mentioned on this show, it was a new season and it was a new manager, this time with yep. Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. What stories do you have to share of Glenn being the manager because there's there's a few Chelsea fans or a number of Chelsea fans that for whatever reason don't like him for whether or not because of his affiliation with Tottenham but I think Glenn does get a little bit of a bad rap from Chelsea supporters bearing in mind yeah. that he was at Chelsea for a while yeah what stories do you have of Glenn Hodder when he turned up at Chelsea well Glenn I, I think is quite well documented that Glenn came to Chelsea before he got the Swindon job and was rehabbing. He was at Monaco and he he came into the training ground, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to rehab and he had a problem with his knee. And, I, and and we got to know him sort of through that, you know. So a lot of the lads knew him, uh, got to know him through his rehabbing and then he went to Swindon and, you, you, you know, I mean, Swindon's like a West Country club and I just kept my eye on how they were doing and, and, and that. And I, funny enough, I played against his team I think a couple of games before the end of the season while I was on loan, you know, I had a chat with him after that. And then I heard he was coming to Chelsea and me, I was delighted. Um, you know, I knew the kind of football he'd play. I knew the kind of system he'd play and I was hoping I'd be sort of part of that. Um, I think Glenn doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he started at Chelsea, the, the, what the structure he put in and then how... When he left, there was lots of things that, you know, he, he could take credit for. I think you know, the training ground for one, uh, there's lots of little things that probably don't mean a lot to supporters and they probably think every footballer is pampered, but like the food at the training ground, he brought in um, dietitians, he brought in reflexologists, he brought in masseurs, 
so little things like that, that you know like i can i can see these bands going you know under grand a week they should be better to do this and that but it's it's something that he doesn't a, a lot of people within the club would know what Glenn did but a lot of you know until now some people might not have known this but i feel that he 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 put some blocks in place and, and started the sort of the turnaround of Chelsea. You know, forget the money that Abramovich brought in and, you know, turn the club that way. You know, I think Glenn slowly and listen, I, I was disappointed when he left, like like most people or most players were. But you can't turn down the England thing, uh, England job, I don't think, because you, if you never got it, you'd always regret that moment. You know, Glenn probably thinks now it was probably too early for him to do it. But it's it's like anything. It's like when Frank Lampard got offered the Chelsea job. He ain't going to turn it down. No matter if people think he's too young, too regardless, you're going to take it. And, and you know, and, and that's 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 football, I'm afraid. But yeah, I was disappointed. I really was disappointed when he left. And one game sort of highlighted for you in that season yeah. was in the Premier League against Sheffield Wednesday. Oh yeah, you came on as a sub. You scored a goal, but then yeah. got sent off. You um, know, it's funny. I was talking with someone <laughs> yesterday about that game. Because John Sheridan's name came up, and uh, and I said, yeah, I said, look, I remember I got booked for a tackle, and then they had a free kick, and I literally flicked the ball into Chez's hands, and I think he kind of either let it go and that, and like the Lorette Deembo kicked the ball away, which was a joke, and that that really cost me because the next week we lost, we played United, and I was suspended, and I couldn't get back in the team after that. And. So- that season, Chelsea got to the FA Cup final. Exactly. Where we would yeah. play against Manchester United. Yeah. You yeah. wasn't involved no. in, in that in that game. Where did you watch it? Was you at Wembley? Was you at home? What was No, it? I, was, I was at Wembley with uh, the rest of the people who weren't involved in my family. Um, I can't remember who I sat by at the time. Uh, obviously, it's a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, we had a, we had a do after dinner at the hotel after. And I, you know, I went to that and everything. So... You know, at the end of the day, I was um, I was an employee at Chelsea Football Club, being paid to you know, and there are people who wouldn't, there are people I know of, I won't name who didn't go, but um, no, they, you know, they're, they're my mates at the end of the day, and, and and I'm there to support them, and yeah, it was a it was a, a bad day in terms of you know four 0 in the cup final, but it wasn't really a four 0 was it? You know, I mean, you, you get that in football. Yeah, they were probably the better team, but four 0 was a bit harsh, you know on the day but it's the way it is unfortunately but you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I didn't want us to lose you know I'm, I'm like I say I've worked for Chelsea I played for Chelsea and um, I wanted them to win and, and that's it and when did you notice that things were improving for Chelsea as a club under Glenn Hoddle it, despite the 4-0 hammering in, in the FA Cup final when did you and the sort of your teammates start sort of looking at things differently and see, seeing Chelsea more competitive? I would say from day one when Glenn came in, he came in, he had his vision. He sat us all down on the first day of pre-season training and told us what he expected of what his vision was for the club and where he wanted to go. And, and I think slowly and surely he kind of got us to where he wanted in was it three years he was there. Um, and and hmm. had he stayed, I believe he would have taken us further and, and, and probably got up to speed of where they, they were when, you know, the new regime t- took over. But I still think Glenn could have done that had he the stayed. And yeah, I think from day one, he, he instilled lots of things that he'd learned over his career. I think, I think Arsene Wenger was a big mentor for Glenn when he played abroad. And I think he learned a lot of him, uh, which, you know, you understand because 
in the late 90s and in the early 2000s, you know, Wenger was a, f- a fantastic manager for Arsenal. So obviously learning lots off him w- was great for us as, as players and, and for the club. Moving on to the 94-95 season, where Chelsea yeah. was in Europe for the first time in many years. Yeah. Your first appearance in Europe was no less in a crucial second leg tie against Club Bruges at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back now, how did it feel to play for Chelsea in Europe and what was the atmosphere like on that particular game? Playing, yeah, because I, I went on loan to Portsmouth and obviously I was included in the 25-man squad theatre ranks. And then, like you say, I played in the, in the second. The atmosphere that night was sensational, I've got to say. The atmosphere at the bridge, you know, they're always special nights at the bridge, you know, under the lights. But in Europe... It was really, really good. To play was, you know, fantastic. You know, to play, to say I've played European football with Chelsea. And <laughs> bizarrely as it seems, I remember the night after the game more than the game itself. I remember we ended up in the pitch and piano down the Fulham Road with like, it was me, Gareth Hall and a few others. I think a few of his mates. And all I remember is walking in there and the place just rammed with Chelsea fans. And God knows what time we left there, but it was absolutely sensational that. And, you know, I know every every club says their fans are great, but Chelsea fans to me are the best in the world without a doubt when it comes to things like that. You know, it was just brilliant. And then later on in that competition, the semi final, the second yeah. leg against Real Zaragoza at Stamford Bridge, yeah. we win the game, but we don't win the tie. You was part of that. No. Yeah. Was there? This might sound a bit. Of, Ridiculous to, to ask, but was there disappointment amongst the team that they didn't go through, or was there a bit more sort of pride that although we didn't win the tie, we won the game and we perhaps yeah. got some respect back after what happened in the first leg? Yeah, I mean, we got undone by the lad Schneider. I mean, obviously, I didn't play in the first leg and we got beat 3 0. Um, the Argentinian centre forward destroyed us, but yeah, it, it's like any football match, you know. It, you got pride, you know, in front of your home fans. Yeah, you want to win. The- Listen, we thought we could get the three goals back. You know, you've got to believe that, it, it, first of all. But um, I think we went one up and I think we might have hit the post and they scored, didn't they? Which just killed the atmosphere a little bit. But, you know, like we won the game and, you know, if we'd have got another one, it could have been a nervy five minutes at the end. But over the two legs, they probably deserved it just. Um, but it was disappointing because I think we'd have had Arsenal in the final, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, so that I think that, that was the sort of uh, the disappointment of it all but it was a great experience from, from a personal point of view you know to play in Europe in semi-final you know it, it was really uh, yeah it was good and the crowd was good again that night again the atmosphere was very similar to the, the quarterfinals against Bruges although you know we had more of a mountain to climb that night but no it, it was good just to see Chelsea challenging and competing in you know in semi-finals in, in European football now, in the summer of 95, things yeah. started to change quite rapidly for Chelsea in terms of signings. Mark yeah. Hughes and Rude Hullet joined the team. Yeah. Do you remember where you were when you first heard that they signed for the club? And what what was their first training sessions like amongst the boys? So I remember I was in Portugal uh, on holiday, post-season, and I bumped into some people who were Chelsea fans uh, and I was just sitting around by the pool and, you know, I spoke to them most days. And then I was sat there and, and they came over to me and said, have you heard the news? I'm like, no, we've just signed Mark Hughes. And I was like, what? 
couldn't believe it to be honest. You know, I was I was a little bit shocked, but absolutely delighted. And then I can't. I think Rude, did Rude sign after Sparky? He did, didn't he? Believe or, so, yeah. yeah, I think so. I can't remember where I was, but again, someone rang me and said, "Oh, have you uh, have you seen who Chelsea have signed?" I'm like, "No, uh, Rude Hullet." I'm like, "Yeah, all right, good one." And uh, and then obviously I I found out and when we when they came in pre-season, I mean Sparky, okay, I mean. He was very, very quiet person off the pitch. You know, really nice guy. I've re- he was actually my roomie for a few years as well. Um, he came in and just settled in. You know, brilliant, a top, top fella, top player in my opinion. Um, and Rude was again just one of the lads. He came in and introduced himself, and just you, you thought he'd been there for like a year. After about a week, he was just one of the lads. You know, there was no arrogance. There was nothing. I mean. Wise used to call him Big Nose and, you know, it, it just helped him settle in, I think. It, it was brilliant. It really was. He was um, he was a top guy. He was a real top guy. The only thing I'd say is with Rude, we, I remember we trained once at Harnington and it wasn't the greatest at the time, you know. It's not like Cobham is now. And there was thunder and lightning and Rude just walked in. He said, no, 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 I don't train in thunder and lightning. And just walked in, you know, and that was it. But no one could say, you know, when you're World Player of the Year and, you know, golden boot winner or, you know, Ballon d'Or winner. No one could say anything. He, and he just walked in and that was it. But he was, he was, you know, he, he mixed with the lads and everything. You know, he came to Cheltenham with us and he'd come on nights out. Uh, he couldn't understand how we wore shirt and ties to games though. He, he came in the dressing room. I think the first home game of that season was a night match against Coventry. And I think we'd had track seats maybe the first game and then we were told collar and tie for the, the game. And he walked in the dressing room. He's like, Where's the wedding? You know, he, he couldn't understand. He turned out in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. And he's like, well, you know, it's a football match, not a wedding. So little things like that sort of made it were quite amusing. But he, he was just one of the guys, you know, that's how I can, as, as a player. Obviously, he changed when he, he became manager. But as a player, great. You know, I remember we played in Rotterdam, I think, uh, pre-season. And he, he, he took us out, in, in, you know, in, in Holland. And he, he was just a really nice guy. Now, during that particular season, you scored a crucial goal in a 3-2 win against Bolton in November at Stamford Bridge. It was yeah. your first in a couple of years. What was Stamford Bridge like to play in those days? Because the ground itself is a lot different to what it is now. And obviously with the capacity changing and also with the... There was a couple of stands that were still being redeveloped at that time. Yeah, it was It was strange. Um, it, you know, there's games where... You know, when you're used to the atmosphere of the Bruges game and when you're playing Tottenham at home or, or, or a big club, Liverpool, Man U, when you know it's full and there's a huge there's a huge atmosphere. And then all of a sudden, I know a lot of these grounds have had to go through it because of the development. But yeah, it, you can hear every word that someone says, you know, when, it, when it's sort of the capacity is depleted. Um, now it could be good or bad, depending on how well you play. If you're playing well, it's great. And if you're not, so, you know, playing so well, then, you know, you get a few sort of sarky comments. But... No, I mean, listen. As far as I'm concerned, from from a personal point of view, I always, I always felt I had a good affinity with the fans at Chelsea. Um, it was no diff. It was just the, the the difference was there wasn't as many people there, you know, and and that was it really. But it was still good, you know. Chelsea fans are brilliant, you know. No matter what people say, I think they've always, to me, they've always been great. I've never really had an issue with it with anyone, and and I thought it was brilliant. There was one particular FA Cup tie against Newcastle that went to a replay yeah. in January of 96. You scored in the shootout yeah. win 
was there much nerves from your point sort of before you took the penalty? And what is it like to sort of take a penalty in a sort of a crucial cup tie in that? Yeah, I think attitude? I think I was more nervous against Millwall um, when, when we had the first one a couple of years before. But no, I, I enjoyed taking penalties and, and sort of Dennis was always on penalties when, and, and Glenn's moved me to penalties a few, you know, a few times and, I remember one game when we, we played Leeds and we were winning 3 0 or whatever, and Spark had scored two and we had a penny, and he, I let him take it. But yeah, I, I, I was quite confident taking a penny. I, I, I never, I didn't get nervous as such. You know, it, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a, a, you know, a little bit of nerves in me. But no, I, I quite enjoyed taking pennies. And thankfully, I, I didn't miss it for Chelsea. So, you know, it, I felt. We went up to Newcastle. We got harshly done by. I think over the, in the first leg, we, we conceded last minute. I think I think Dimitri miskicked the ball coming out, and I think Ferdinand scored. So we went up there really confident, and I think yeah, it went to extra time. But I felt when it went to penalties, Hitchy was top penalty saver as well, and I, and I just felt we we had confidence and we were going to go through. So yeah, I think I was. I can't remember. Did I take the first one or the? Fourth one. I was either first or fourth Norman shootouts. So yeah, I I I quite enjoy taking pens to be fair. And in that same competition, we got knocked out to Manchester United in the semi-final. Yeah. yeah. With Craig Burley with the unfortunate back pass. Yeah. Was it from that game or was it from perhaps after from that season where the belief amongst a team with sort of Glenn Hoddle and with the players already mentioned? that Chelsea could potentially win something? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we, we genuinely thought that we could beat United that day. We were playing well. I mean, the worst thing for me that day was Dan Petrescu's suspension. Dan got booked at Liverpool and it was a day if you got booked. It was two weeks later, you'd missed the game. Um, now you can argue, should Glenn have played him? But then you can argue, Dan's a professional and don't get booked for a silly, you know, silly tackle or a silly thing. So you, you, can, you can put it down to either one whose fault it was. Yeah, we, we went one up at we one up at half time and Terry Phelan pulled his hamstring for the first goal, I think. And then Craig, unfortunately, with the back pass. So you can't legislate for that. But we were distraught, that dressing room was distraught because we we had a good team, I felt that year. And we we, we you know we we did it the hard way in the cup. We, we had some tough ties. We had to go Newcastle, Grimsby, QPR, you know, Wimbledon. We we drew it over Wimbledon. And then back to go to whip, you know. So we we've done it the hard way. And listen, it, it was it was horrible in that dressing room after. You know, no one likes losing the semi-final. But we did feel that we had the belief to win something. And uh, I think, you know, they say it makes you stronger when you lose games, but it did. And and, and we progressed from there, really. And that summer of ninety-six. Yeah. As we mentioned before, Glenn Hoddle took the England job. Yeah. Yeah. And then he left and Rude Hullet <laughs> took charge. Yeah. What was your reaction to the change that Rude Hullet was becoming the, the new coach? And secondly, what was the team's reaction to a teammate now sort of being the boss? I think, if I answer the second part first, as, as far as Rude becoming the boss, I think it was a case of, you know, a bit of continuity. Didn't really have to go and find someone we didn't know. Everyone knew him. Everyone knew his pedigree. We didn't know what he was going to be like as a manager, obviously. And, I think it, at first he felt it, it was quite difficult to, to make that transition. You know, he'd be playing cards at the back of the bus with us on the way to games. And then, you know, he's leaving players out. And I, I think Dennis sort of said to him, you can't 
play cards anymore, Rude, because you know you, you might leave that player out in about half hour's time. So I think Rude accepted, but I think because he was such a genuine, nice guy, Rude, the lads didn't really worry about him. You know, we we wanted to do well for him. Um, and the, what was the, sorry? What was the first part of the question? What was your reaction to Rude coming in as oh, a coach? Yeah, so like you know, kind of answered in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was happy. Um, I was actually out of contract um, at the end of that. It's just the same time as when Rude came in, and um, I wasn't. And then I obviously found out they brought in Frank LeBuff, and I was sort of like, you know, what do I do? I didn't want to leave Chelsea. Rude made it clear he wanted me to stay, and then eventually offered me a three-year contract. And you know, I signed. I thought, right, okay, I'll, I'll stay. I'll fight for my place. And it didn't start off great. Uh, he didn't play me. Uh, because, you know, I, th- I felt I had one of the best seasons I had the year before, played lots of games and then, but I wasn't bothered, you know, competitions never really bothered me because, you know, it sort of brings the best out of you sometimes and you, you feel, but, you know, I'm thinking he's a World Cup winner, he's coming, he's not, not going to play him. But I played in a few of the games then I got left out again and I'm thinking, you know, what do I do here? Just signed a three-year deal, I'm happy at Chelsea, you know, happy you know in my life away from football so it was quite it was quite it was quite tough and then obviously the inevitable happened and I broke my leg well I was going to mention that your first appearance of that season was against Tottenham in a 3-1 win it was very eventful to say the least yes it was yeah before we talk about yeah I was yeah. going to say, before we talk about the injuries that you suffered, it was the first home yeah. game since Matthew Harding yeah. lost his life in a helicopter crash. Just yeah. before we talk about that game and the injury, what, what are your memories of Matthew Harding? Did you have much interaction with him at your time yeah, at Chelsea? I did. I mean, funny enough, we were supposed to go to uh, Glasgow within a couple of weeks later to watch Rangers in Europe. Me and Johnny Spencer, were, we'd been up to the Rangers-Leeds game and it was brilliant, to be fair. The atmosphere out there was... And he, Spenny had invited Matthew and he was going to come up to one of the games with us in a, in a few weeks' time. So my sort of memories of that was that Tuesday night, we, we left Bolton. I think I was sub that night. Uh, I think we got beat by Bolton and got home as usual about whatever early hours of the morning. And I'll, I'll never forget, my phone rang at home uh, about 6.30 that morning. It was Teresa, the, the secretary, to tell us, you know, the sad news in there was a reserve game scheduled against Forest that day at Stamford Bridge. And she said, it's cancelled. I'm supposed to be playing in it. Said it was cancelled. And she said, well, you'll get a phone call later on to tell you, you know, where you're going to be, what time you're going to be next. So, you know, then the phone starts ringing all the lads. You know, we, we sort of rang each other up and obviously couldn't believe it. You know, it was, it was so sad what happened. Um, and then we got told to report to Stamford Bridge, I think, on the Thursday. And... I went in. I went into the ground, and I got there. Someone said to me, "Oh, the, the manager wants to see you." So I went in to see the manager, and he said, "Listen," he said, "I've had a club come in for you. Uh, they've made a bid. It's not enough. Uh, would you be interested in leaving and going?" And I went, "Well, it depends who it is." And he said, "Well, I'm not going to tell you till you know they come up with a substantial offer." I said, "Okay, fine." I said, "I don't really want to leave Rude anyway." Then on the, he said, "I'll let you know tomorrow." So on the Friday, we trained at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and then he said to me, I, I need to see you after training. So he, he called me in and he said, listen, the, the club, I'm going to tell you now, it's Coventry, big Ron has, has made a bid. You know, do you want to go? And I went, I don't know. I said, I probably need the weekend to think about it. 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. He said, I'll tell them that. I said, yeah. So I went, he said, okay. And I went to walk out and he went, hold on. I went, what? He went, you're playing tomorrow. I went, okay. So that was the Tottenham game. So, so I'm thinking, do I really want to leave? No. So I didn't say anything. I, I went home, prepared for the game, came in the next day. And then obviously, you know, what happened, happened. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I could have said to him there and then, yeah, I want to go and I'm not playing tomorrow. You know, some players would do that. They'd just say no. But I didn't think of injury or anything like that. And, and just, I wanted to play for Chelsea, Tottenham at home. You know, there's no better, there's no better feeling as a Chelsea player against Tottenham, especially that our record or my individual record against them was, you know, fantastic. So I played and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Well, you scored the penalty as well. You scored a yeah. crucial penalty in that game. Yeah. And again, you mentioned about the injury that you suffered. Yeah. What was going through your mind at this point, you know, knowing that, did you did you sort of have a, an inkling that this was going to be a, a very severe injury? Did you feel that this could be maybe a short-term fix? What was going through your mind at, at that point? Well, when, when it happened, I didn't feel like I'd broke my leg, you know, just sort of, I think you're probably in a little bit of shock. And I remember this... <laughs> Someone very kindly, whether it was good or bad, sent me a picture of me in agony with Sparky and Luca sort of looking over me. And I'm thinking, have they sent me that as a, like a, a joke or a bit of a... And I remember Sparky saying to me, I think you've broke it. He said, I heard the crack. He said, I think it's broke. So just don't move. I remember him saying that. And then the next thing I remember is sort of in the back of an ambulance on my way to Charing Cross. Um, in a bit of shock, really. Didn't really know what to expect. But it took me, I don't know, I think it was 30 months, whatever, till I got played again. Uh, it was a long time and it just didn't heal very quickly. Um, and, you know, as you get older, it takes longer to, to heal. And it was just, it, it didn't finish me completely, but I, I felt it was never the same after that injury, for whatever now, reason. Before we talk towards the FA Cup final, what do you remember yeah. of the FA Cup final song, Blue Day, sung by Suggs and the Chelsea squad? Uh, what are your memories of that? It was brilliant. I remember because I was I was quite heavily involved with, with Alan McGee and Creation Records at the time. So all the music, I was really into the music. Uh, Andy Saunders as well, people like that, you know. I, I got introduced to them and I was really, you know, big on the music. And, and Madness was sort of someone that, you know, growing up, I remember, you know, watching. I even went to see him in Bristol. And then when we got a call saying, oh, you know, so I want to do a, a song with you, I was like delighted. And I remember we met up on a Sunday morning. I think we had a couple of beers and we went into the studio and it was just, we had a brilliant sort of camaraderie amongst the lads. So you can imagine, you know, 20 guys doing this song. No one, you know, no one's got a good voice amongst us, although a lot profess to have had a good voice. And uh, <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. It really was, you know, and... It, it just got because it was at a time when Luca wasn't playing, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget where we were. We were um, finishing off, and then all of a sudden, I think it was Luca's turn to maybe sing or do something, and the power just cut. And I, it was me who shouted. I said, "I think Ruse just pulled the plug," and like you can imagine, the lads were just, you know, right on Luca straight away. He, he found it hilarious, but it's just little things like that we had amongst the lads that you could say things and get away with and it wasn't nasty it wasn't anything like that yeah it was just a brilliant day and the FA Cup final itself obviously yeah. you, you you was injured unfortunately yeah but what I was were your, yeah. what were your emotions on that day that Chelsea you know finally lifted a big trophy after nearly 26 years 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's, it started off, I was put in a little bit of an awkward situation because Craig Burley got dropped and they sort of said to me, oh, can you look after him? I'm like, well, hang on a minute, you know, I mean, I don't want to have a downer on my day. I just want to enjoy the day. So I kind of, so I took him for a couple of pints and sort of calmed him down a little bit, you know, understandably he was very upset because he played sort of 40 games that year and he got left out, but you know, that's football. But listen, absolutely delighted. You know, it, it was different because I felt I could have been playing because, you know, I'd been in the team the season before and and back in the team. And But because you're injured, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, but you just want your club, as I said before, you want your club to do well. And the following day, um, I thought it was really nice. There was a tour to uh, Bangkok, Brunei and Hong Kong. And like I, Rude said, he put this, he put the sort of travelling party up and there was no injuries going and, I went to see him and I said, look, Rude, I said, you know, I need to do some rehab. Can I can I come and rehab with the physio, Terry Burnett at the time? And like, fair play to him. He said, no problem at all. He said, you know, what you've been through and that. He said, I'd like you to come. So that was, you know, a, a touch of class from, from Rude for doing that. You know, it was great because you feel, you know, I am part of it and I helped run the players' pool during, during the, you know, the time I was injured, trying to take a little bit of that sort of stuff away from the players because at the end of the day, you just want them to concentrate on the game. But it was a great time, you know. We had a we had a great night. Uh, met Pele that night as well. So, dream come true for him, I think. So yeah, all good. <laughs> and later in '97, you made your return yeah. to the pitch for Chelsea in a League Cup tie against Blackburn. Yeah, this must have been sort of huge for you, personally, emotionally, psychologically, knowing that you was able to get back on the field, not just for Chelsea, but just for yourself. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's tough. You know, anyone who's been through long-term injuries, you know, mentally, it, it's tough. Physically, it's tough. But yeah, you, you know, you, you don't realise when you're young, you're only one tackle away from your career ending. But, you know, fortunately for me, it happened when I was sort of, you know, late 20s rather than, you know, 18, 19. So, but just to get back and play, yeah, it was great. Uh, I played a few more games after that and uh, that was it. But to come back work that night and I mean I can remember the next day you know my whole body was just in bits you know because you're not used to the vigours of you know all the running you do all the swimming and all the training you can do but nothing you can't experience anything until it's a match and I think that, I would think I was waiting to take the next penalty and we I think we'd won it on pens That's right. Um, That's right. yeah so no it was great it was a great feeling it was great to be back in front of you know the fans at Stamford Bridge again and you had another loan spell away from Chelsea before leaving the club permanently in the summer of 98. Yeah. How did that move to Bristol Rovers come about? Was it a, a joint decision between yourself and Chelsea or what? what yeah, was I mean, I went to Sheffield United for a month with Nigel Spatman just to play some games. Then I came back and they, they sort of came in for me and I thought, well, you know, sometimes you just got to leave. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Chelsea acted with class as they always do. When I left, went to see uh, managing director and got the contract terminated and, and left and went to Bristol Rovers. It was a team that obviously I supported growing up, but it didn't end up great. Um, I think sometimes when you, you drop down a couple of divisions, it's harder because, you know, you, you've gone from playing with world-class players to no disrespect, but lesser lesser players. You know, it's the old saying, the higher you go, the easier it is. It is, you know, if you put any player from League One into Man City's team this year, they'd look a good player because they're playing with 10 other good ones. 
So I found it a little bit difficult and obviously the way they play was a bit different, but I enjoyed it. We had a good set of lads there, you know, you know, I made friends with people there that I still speak to now. So it was quite nice. Um, but from a career point of view, it was only gone one way from when I left Chelsea. Now, I want to talk about current events, if I can, David. And yeah, of course of, you can. One particular sort of thing that's ruffled a few people's feathers since its creation is VAR. And yeah. whether we whether we like it or not, it is here to stay. David, yeah. I've, I've asked this to all my previous guests on the show. What are your thoughts on VAR? I think it's it can be very good if it's used correctly, personally. I just find it really strange how they can make some decisions on something, but not on others. You know, they've got it's got to be, you know, glaring obvious mistake for them. But if if there's a mistake further down the pitch, they can't go back to that. But they, they you know, they can overturn a penalty or whatever, or they can bring it back and offside. The worst thing I think about it is if a player is going through and he's he's blatantly offside. The linesman doesn't raise his flag and he'll go around the goalie and stick it in, then he raises it. I think you're going to get a really serious injury one of these days where they've delayed, the linesman's put his, not put his flag up, but he's blatantly offside. If it's, a, if it's like millimetres in it, I understand that. But if, if the linesman knows it's two or three yards offside, stick your flag up straight away because I think you're going to get a really nasty injury. So little things like that need to be sorted out. I think if you look at the way they do it in cricket, everyone knows what's going on. They go to the big screen, there's a voice saying, Roll me this. Is he out? Is he stumped? Is he run out? If they can do that in football, I think it would help everybody. I think there's a little bit too many grey areas still at the moment. Yeah, it'll be good. But I don't want it stopped for everything because it'll just end up like, you know, the game will last an hour and 20 and it'll just, it'll be no good. But yeah, I can see overturning penalties or, you know, if someone dives in the rest 10 yards and can't quite see that someone's dived, yet the guy in the studio has got a better angle of it, then I'm all for that. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's, I suppose I've got a similar opinion to everyone else. It could be good, but it's got to be done properly. A couple of more questions before we finish, yeah, David. no problem. In regards to current day Chelsea, yeah. certainly not been boring the last few weeks. Certainly no, certainly not. Within the news. Um, what are your thoughts, firstly, on the current team at Chelsea with Thomas Tuchel in charge and looking good in the Premier League in in the FA Cup, in the Champions League, and also yeah. sort of to top that, what's your thoughts on the current situation in the ballroom? So the current team, I feel, should be a little bit closer to Liverpool Man City with the squad they've got. Uh, some of the games this year, that they had a little blip, didn't they, of a few games where drew or lost. Um, I feel that with the squad they got, I know everyone's had injuries and, and different things. You know, the two full-backs got injured at the same time or the wing-backs in, in, in Reese and, and, and Chilwell. But I, still, I, I do think, you know, he'd be slightly disappointed they're not challenging the, the, the top two. Uh, in Europe, I think it'll take a good side to beat Chelsea over two legs. I still feel that we can get to the, the final again, uh, no matter who we play. And... I felt the League Cup, we had the best chances to win the game uh, and didn't win it. And then once it goes to penalties, you know, it's a lottery. I found it strange that he changed the goalie. But that's just my opinion on the final. Given that I know he's done it before, but Mendy had been in the Africa Cup of Nations and they'd won a penalty shootout. He, he was brilliant in the game, in my opinion. 
And I just felt, you know, that momentum might have carried us through. Anyway, um, FA Cup. Yeah, I think we got the draw that everyone wanted. I think that's no disrespect to Palace. And I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. But, hmm. you know, they're, they're, they were the team, I think, all Chelsea fans would have wanted. And probably their best player, knowing that he couldn't play against us, which was, you know, good news. Not for him, not for the lad, obviously. But, hmm. you know, from Chelsea's point of view, it, it's good. Um and I, and I just feel that they've had probably a month where they just didn't fire on all cylinders and, and got a little bit far behind. And you're never going to catch up now. You, you've got to chase two of them. You're never, you know, chasing one team like Liverpool have done with Man City, you know, they can do it. But Chelsea are too far behind now, to, obviously, to, to, to win the league this year. But they can still have a good season by reaching the FA Cup and winning that and, and reaching the Champions League and winning that again. You know, I don't think anyone's retained it, have they, before? So that would be nice to do. Format, no. no, not the current format. So, you know, like I say, to beat Chelsea with two legs, I think you've got to be a good side. I think Man City, I think Bayern Munich and Liverpool will also say that by themselves. You've got to be a good team. But, you know, it's possible that we could, you know, we could still end the season with the final in the League Cup, winning the FA Cup, winning the Champions League and obviously securing... We're gonna, you know, we're gonna be in the top four anyway. So, the boardroom, um, obviously, it came not as a huge shock when it, the news broke because of you know what's going on in in, in the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, I just hope it gets sorted. I hope it gets. Um, I think a lot of the press sort of go anti Chelsea when it comes to things like that, you know, and write stuff about them. But I just hope it gets sorted one way or another. I don't want to, I don't want like three or four consortiums. I'd rather one person took over and, and, and ran it or put the money in and then just got someone in to run it or keep the, the current regime like Jack and, and Marina to, to run it still and just fund the club. But it'd be nice if they, you know, they do ask the opinion of the fans and, and people like that. And finally, David, how do you look back on your career at Chelsea? Very fondly. I enjoyed every minute of it, to be honest. You know, it's, it's a wonderful club. Uh, got treated, you know, very, very well by the staff, the players and the fans. So, yeah, I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Done what everyone wanted to do sort of thing, you know. And that, and that was it. Well, David, again, thank you very much for coming on to the show. I appreciate no it. And... Thanks a lot. Cheers. Podcast Network.